0: Today's double survivor exit interview is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships great tasting, wholesome snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine. Start snacking smarter with wholesome, delicious treats like dark cocoa almonds. Support Rob as a podcast by ordering a free NatureBox sampler box at naturebox.com RHAP. That's right. Free NatureBox snacks are found at naturebox.com RHAP. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cisternino back here with a double Survivor exit interview. Very exciting. We have not one, but two Survivors to talk to. The latest two players who were voted out of the game. We're going to start off by talking with the fourth player voted out of Survivor Worlds Apart, Lindsay Cascadden from the Blue Collar Tribe. And then we're going to be speaking with the Survivor professor himself, Max Dawson, will be my guest here on the second part of our exit interview podcast. Had a very fun Survivor Know-It-Alls with Stephen Fishback last night. I felt like we really got back into the swing of things out of being in person last week. I felt like we were locked in for the episode last night. So you can check that out as well on RobHasAWebsite.com. A couple people said that they were having some problems with that in their podcast feed. Uh, That was 100% on me. I made some errors in the uploading of it. So if you're getting that playback error, uh, the right version of that should be in your podcast feed. I apologize about any sort of uh, difficulty that you guys might have uh, with that. And of course, you could always listen on RobHasAWebsite.com or in the Rehab app available for iOS or Android. Also today, coming up after we do the exit interviews, I'm going to be speaking with two more survivors. I'm going to be speaking with Kelly and Dale Wentworth, who will I'm sure have a lot to say about this episode from last night, the two hour survivor event, as they called it on the CBS promos. And so Dale and Kelly will have a lot to say. So I'll chat with Farm Guy 69 and the Farm Guy's daughter, Dale and Kelly coming up. And then we're going to get into your voicemails with Ryan Elder, who is a composer who's been recording a lot of jingles for us here on Rob's podcast, uh, has a very impressive body of work uh, on his resume. And we're going to talk to him about your voicemail. Send them in at website.com slash voicemail or 323-282-RHAP. That's 323-282-RHAP. And just one last thing before we get to Lindsay. Of course, RHAP is nominated for two different podcast awards. It's the final days of podcast awards voting. It's a big help. All the, We need all the help we can get. If you could vote for us daily at podcastawards.com. Voting is going to end on Tuesday. The 24th, only a couple of days left for Best Entertainment Podcast and People's Choice Podcast of the Year. All right. I think that we have our first survivor on the line today, and it is going to be Lindsay. So let's go ahead and patch him in. Lindsay, are you there? Hey, Rob. Lindsay, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Yeah, doing very good. Uh, Lindsay, uh, very interested to hear about some of the stuff that was going on on the old blue collar tribe uh, before the swap last night. And I'd love to know from you, you know, how surprised were you to see the votes come up with this two, two, two split instead of a five to one vote against Rodney?
1: You know, I was surprised to see the split, but my tribe was smart to do it. I was relentlessly looking for that idol and really no one else on my tribe looked for the idol unless they were with me. So for them to assume I had it, was really, really smart, and it didn't surprise me um, to see it go down that way. I still kind of held on to hope that after they split that and tried to kind of flush the idol, um, I held on to hope that they would still go with our Rodney, though. Even though I knew it was a slim to none chance, it just was still there. I wasn't ready to just curl up, you know?
0: Yeah, but... The actual idea to vote you out, like, was that a big blindside to you? Because it really felt like to me that they were going to vote out Rodney.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if I would call it a blindside. In Survivor, I think a blindside is, you know, what you saw with Max last night, where you go in and you are like 110% confident that this is going to happen, and then you go home. And for me, I knew my name had gotten brought up. I knew that had been talked about. I know my personality well enough to know that it is a huge threat to people, especially men, if they're not completely secure with themselves. And so I knew that the percentage was there. I just didn't know what it was. Um, I think that I was confident that it was largely going to be a vote in my corner where we got out who I thought should go home. But I don't know that it would be a blindside necessarily. I was definitely surprised,
0: though. Yeah, I was surprised, too, because I really felt like through the first three hours of this season, or three and a half hours that we got to watch, it seemed to me, I thought that, okay, the three women are together in the tribe, and Rodney is with the women, and Rodney and Lindsay are close. And then it was sort of a shock to me to see last night the episode starts where it's almost like the three men are together and Kelly is with the men. Um, was the first thing that I set up, was that actually the case at one point And did it shift or was it always that the three guys were together um, and it just looked like on TV that it was different?
1: No, it definitely wasn't the three guys against the girls. Um, Mike and Rodney were at each other's throats every day they did nothing but talk about each other talk to each other about each other i mean it was crazy how much tension they had and so mike was playing kind of always in the middle with dan but also largely with the women and then kelly was definitely with us he was with the girls that was her alliance and i think that mike got in kelly's ear and was just like hey you know Sierra and Lindsay are best friends, and they're this really, really tight little couple. And then, where do you fit in? Because you're this odd girl out. And any girl will tell you that three is a kind of deadly number with girls. You don't want to be that third wheel. And that's where Kelly was. So, Mike got in her ear, and he planted that seed, and one thing after another. And, you know, I think really what happened was I threatened Mike and Rodney. And then Mike kind of saw Rodney for exactly who he is, which is this terribly obnoxious human being that has zero logic and zero respect for himself and others. And so who's going to vote for that guy? I mean, he was really smart to be like, whoa, 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 we need to keep him. Like, he might drive us all into our grave at the end of this thing, but he's definitely not going to get any votes. So, um that's what happened and it was a surprise to me, but it wasn't a bad play. Like even looking back at it, it's a great play. They did the right thing. I mean, like I said, my personality is so black or white. It was either get me out first or you're never going to get me out.
0: Mm -hmm. Now for you, why did you uh, decide to, and again, maybe the decision is something that you can't control, but you know, Rodney is saying all these dumb things about women um, but the idea to sort of debate him on those things, um, do you feel like that was something that, you know, ultimately hurt your game to sort of engage with him on, on these things? Or was it something that you just couldn't help but to, you know, get into it with him?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely couldn't help, but voice my opinion. I'm such a bold personality and I always stick up for what I believe and what I think is right. And One of the beautiful things about playing this game is that you can kind of show your true colors, whether you want to or not, because you're stripped of food, you're stripped of sleep, you're stripped of all social life that you once knew it. And so whether you want to be yourself or not, you're going to be. And realistically, watching the show last night put up against someone like Rodney I am really, really proud to be able to say that I did kind of stick up for women and stick up for just people in general because I don't have to explain anything to my friends or family. They're just proud of me for sticking up for those people. And my biggest role in life is not a survivor player. It's a mom, you know, and it's a daughter. And I'm going to stick up for those things before I stick up for my role in survivor. And um, do I think it helps my game? No. No. But at the same time, my actual pride is worth more than a million dollars. And I don't think that everyone playing this game went home with kind of clean hands and said, I was who I am.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right about the thing about how this game and what is beautiful about Survivor, it does strip you down to who you actually are. Uh, And the people that say, oh, I was playing a character when I was out there, I I often feel like I take that with a grain of salt because I really do feel like uh, that at times Survivor brings out your truest self.
1: It definitely does. And anyone who has said, you know, in prior seasons and you hear it all the time, oh, that's not who I really am. You know, I just played a part for the game. I genuinely think if you got to the core of that person and you know you talked to did just the person that knows them best knows all their dirt has all their dirty secrets i think you would find out that that really is who that person is and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just not who i am
0: yeah let's talk about the work ethic stuff in the camp that came up uh quite a bit last week uh How much of the work in the camp was done by Mike compared to the other people in the tribe?
1: Mike did a lot of work. I mean, just by nature, he's a really hard worker, but he's not necessarily a productive worker. So there's a big difference there because what Sierra and I could do in two hours would take Mike 10 hours. And, you know, our entire camp was set up by Sierra and I from the ground up. And so, you know, there is a saying that's work smarter, not harder. And I think that Mike doesn't have that, you know, in his grasp. He's not really, he hasn't mastered that yet. And that's okay. It's just that it was driving everyone crazy to see someone who was just working to work and not really working because work needed to be done, um, you know, and we had, our, we had our lazy ones, Dan and Rodney were definitely people that needed talking to. And I feel like when we got a talking to from Mike or who we called dad, that was directed towards Dan and Rodney, not necessarily everyone in the camp, but we still got tired of hearing it.
0: Now, Mike's vote for you uh, last night, he wrote on the paper, uh, Lynn, C which I feel like, and from my studying of how players vote, uh, that seemed to me as an aggressive vote, which uh, comes from a place of uh, that there's some some hurt feelings there. Did you look at it the same way where Mike uh, may have had animosity towards you? And potentially, was it because of the comments you made about his religion in the previous episode?
1: Of course. I mean, Mike was definitely butthurt about the God comment. Um, and also Mike was extremely threatened by my personality and with my relationship with Sierra. So he had a lot on his plate and Mike is a very emotional guy. He was raised by all women. And um, I think he's really, really quick to act on that emotion, which is what you saw happen last night. His boat did say Lindsay, uh, which is how Sierra says my name. Cause we would always joke around and she would be like, Lindsay, which is, you know, girls tend to do that thing where they add that little yeah onto things. And so I think that that hurt came out. I don't necessarily think it was, I mean, it didn't come across as graceful or funny on TV to anyone that I was with. It was almost just this open invitation to understand how emotionally hurt he was by my comment, which literally was just that. It was a comment. You know, I've never come out about my religion. I don't ever offend other people's religions, you know. Um, It just was the comment that the fire was there, and it wasn't there because God put it there. It was there because I was tending to it, and I put it there.
0: Lindsay, what did you make of Dan's listening skills?
1: You know, I think that a lot of the times Dan is a showman, and he... He says very openly on the very first episode of Survivor, no matter what, you're going to remember me. And so I always take his confessional time with a grain of salt. Um, Dan is a great husband and he's a great guy and he's a gentleman. And so realistically, I wasn't offended by it at all because I know those things about him. However, I think that as, like, the average American viewer views it, especially women, I know the women in my family and my friends last night that were watching were like, now this guy's going to be an ass? Like, is (laughs) everyone on your team just against women? Like, what is happening? You know, how did you get cast with these three guys? Um, But I think for the most part, Dan is that person where he just wants to fit in. He doesn't want to be last picked in PE class. He doesn't want to be you know, the guy out. And I think that one way for him to do that on last night's episode was to kind of jump on the women hating train. And it didn't offend me because I know him better than that. And sometimes when you want to fit in, that's a really, really deadly emotion. And it can do some pretty nasty things to people. So uh, it is what it is. It's a weakness for him.
0: Now, Lindsay, can you help us with a mystery? What really happened to Dan's Mantis?
1: Like I said before, Dan is a showman, and he wanted to be remembered. And I think that had you seen the blue-collar team lose and go to tribal council earlier than we did, it would have been Dan's name that had gotten written down. And so the Mantee thing was something that Dan came up with to be remembered. It was something that was, you know, it was funny for him, and he thought that viewers would probably... I always remember him as the crazy guy that lost his underwear and made some out of his shirt. And, um, you know, the thing about Dan is that he's actually a good guy, even though he is like wildly annoying. (laughs) He is not the person that America is seeing him as, which is just crazy to me. Like that's the exact reason I'm proud that I played as myself because I think that his friends and family are kind of shaking their head right now. Like, yeah, he's a jokester, but this is just crazy. All
0: right, well, real quick, just to tie back to what we were talking about earlier. So do you feel like that, that Dan is able to play a character or in certain moments uh, that he's able to do stuff for the cameras?
1: Well, in those first couple of days, you know, you're not exhausted yet. You're not sunburnt. You're not tired. You're not sick. You have nothing really going on except for a lot of adrenaline. And So I think for Dan, you know, he was on everybody's shit list to begin with because he was so annoying and he was so obnoxious and he was so in your face. And as you have seen in these episodes, as they play on, he hasn't been able to do that as much because he's getting tired. He's getting hungry. He's getting sick. And as the days went on, Dan was sort of a delight to have around camp because he actually had to be himself. You liked him more. And that's, Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, hands down. Dan was a great guy in the end. But those first couple days, I really could have thrown him in the fire.
0: All right, Lindsay, last thing before you go. Just how scary was it when Kelly uh, gets hit on the head and you have a blindfold on and you can't see what's happening? Just uh, just take us through those moments real quick.
1: It was really scary only because you are blindfolded. You have no idea what's going on. And then, of course, Jeff yells stop. And I asked Kelly, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, are you? And I'm like, okay, so it must be another team that got hurt. I mean, obviously I knew we got hit in the head because I was the one that threw it off of us, but Kelly said she was fine. So then when they said blue team take a knee, I was like, uh, hello, are you hurt? Like, yes or no. Someone's hurt on my team and it's not me. So, um, you know, it was scary because, you're not only worried about the person's health, but you are also worried about the challenge and about your game. And there's so much going on that doesn't have anything to do with medic, but you're forced to worry about the medical side of it. So it is a crazy couple of minutes. And um, honestly, watching it back last night was, it was crazy. I remember it felt like hours out there and it couldn't have been more than maybe 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. And I watched it back this morning. Pretty sure it was Dan's fault. I think he dropped the rope. Oh, uh,
1: it was. For sure Dan
0: Paul. <laughs> all right, Lindsay, I know you got to go. So, thank you so much for coming on. Nice talking to you today and uh all the best. God, have an awesome day. All yeah, right, you care. too. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Lindsay 3.0 here on the podcast. Uh very nice to talk to her, and we are going to uh switch gears next. We're going to talk to the second person who got kicked off of Survivor. Last night. We're going to talk with Max Dawson in just a moment. I have a promo that I'm going to play for you for another show you could hear here on Podcast One, which of course is the network which carries Rob as a Podcast. You can see all their shows at podcast And if you remember, a long time ago on Rob as a podcast, we used to talk about the Jersey Shore. Not only does Snooki have her own podcast, but now Vinny is getting in on the podcast action. Vinny G has his own podcast on Podcast One. Here's a quick Promo for Vinny's podcast, and then we'll come back and talk to Max Dawson. Yo, what up, everybody? It's Vinny Guadagnino. You remember me from the Jersey Shore. Well, I've got a new podcast. It's called Get Into It with Vinny G. That's exactly what we're doing. We're getting into it with my celebrity friends, with you guys. We're getting into pop culture. We're going to talk sports, politics, food, comedy, dating, relationships, it's the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none podcast, just like me. It's fun, it's silly, and you should definitely get into it. So download Get Into It with Vinny G, now at iTunes and at Podcast podcast1.com. All right, everybody, there you have it. Vinny G, his podcast is coming in, and nobody, I believe, in the history of humanity has ever segued from Jersey Shore Vinny to this man that we're about to talk to. He is the survivor professor, the naked one himself. Uh, Let's go ahead and patch in Max Dawson. Max, are you there? Rob. Good morning. What's going on, dude? Not too much. I did not think that I was going to be uh, speaking with you this morning, Max.
2: Yes, I was just listening to uh, your podcast with Zach and you guys doing the brackets and talking about, you know, you wouldn't be talking to one of us until around Easter. So uh, I felt (laughs) very guilty knowing that uh, I was going to, to prove you wrong. But that's you know, the theme this week. People who seem to know it all, not knowing what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a common theme. But anyway, Max, I just want to say I have a lot of respect for your vast knowledge base and enjoyed your time on Survivor. Warts and all.
2: Thank you. You know, I was wondering who would be the first to come up with that. I thought maybe it would be Winkler, but you'd be do
0: to it. <laughs> I'm ahead of him in the order. That's right.
2: That's, that's actually, yeah, that, that helps.
0: <laughs> All right. So, Max, was this vote for you a true blindside? Did you know that, did you have any idea that this was going to happen?
2: I think something funky was going on. Carolyn was a little cold to me and Shireen in the moments leading up to Tribal in those gray moments that we're not really allowed to talk about. But I was getting a strange vibe. And when Tribal started, there was a lot of weird stuff talk, and Carolyn was just not giving us the same sort of warm physical support that we had come to expect from her. So I'm getting a weird vibe from Carolyn. Uh, I'm getting a weird vibe from Kelly. Uh, you know that turned out to be that a vibe of an ice water in her veins, undercover cop pulling a fast one on everyone. But when it comes time to vote, you know you could watch people in the voting concessional. You can count the number of 10 strokes they make on the parchment. And as soon as Carolyn went up there and wrote down three letters instead of four, I turned to Shereen and said, I'm going home tonight. So while somewhat of a blind side, I at least had the time to think about and to process the fact that uh, my game was over before Jeff read the posts.
0: Wow. Carolyn, uh, let's talk about your relationship uh, with her because it definitely seemed strained, but she seemed like she sort of was able to uh, hide the fact that she was uh, getting frustrated with you and Cherine. Did Did you have any sense from her that she maybe uh, was on the outs with you guys? You know, people have screen
2: cap an image from last night where Carolyn and Shireen are in the water, and they say, look at Carolyn's face. Look at the utter disdain on that face. How did Shireen not pick up on that? How did Max not pick up on that? Well that's just Carolyn's face. <laughs> Carolyn has what is known in the business as RBS. <laughs> and the fact that she was sometimes giving me or Shereen a askew look didn't really register because she kind of walks around like that. What happened was this, Rob, on the night of the first vote, the vote that said so home, Carolyn was very much on the chopping block. We didn't know she had an idol, but she was very much on the chopping block. And Shireen and I were very committed to saving her because we had a very tight alliance that we hoped would last 39 days. After the vote, Carolyn was furious at the fact that she had had her name written down twice. And she asked Joaquin, why did you vote for me? And Joaquin said, because Max told me to. Now, of course, I told Joaquin, too, because that's a blind side. You tell the people in the minority alliance or in the losing alliance, vote for one of us, you're safe. And then you come in with the secret vote, surprise them, send one of them home. I was very much thinking of it in terms of Big Brother strategy, where you use someone as a decoy or a pawn. And I thought Carolyn would accept and understand that role, given that she told me she was a big Survivor fan. But it didn't work out that way. It pissed Carolyn off, and it also planted the seed in her head that I was this Jim Jones-like Kool-Aid-dispensing cult leader who was getting Joaquin to act against his better interests. And what I know in retrospect now is that from that moment onward, Carolyn was extremely suspicious of me. The fact that she grew to dislike Shireen in a social context only amplified the difficulties that she and I were having in a strategic context.
0: Now, one of the things that I heard when I spoke with So that so said that she uh, helped sow seeds of doubt. That's S-E-W, seeds of doubt about you because she said she knew who you were from before the game started. And then when it looked like that you were with her, but then ultimately uh, you really were sticking with the Shireen and Carolyn group, that she said she really you know, told Joaquin, told people you can't trust Max. Do you think, was that a factor at all?
2: Yeah, you know what? You, you've talked about that moment a lot in terms of whether or not it represented a critical miscalculation on my part when I said I would have lied better. I'm referring to uh, when uh, you said it might have indicated the arrival of a new paradigm of Survivor or radical <laughs> transparency where we flat out tell each other what yeah. we're doing. Um, what was the good interpretation? On the first day of Survivor, within five minutes of the game starting, so walked up to me in a moment alone and said, I know who you are. And at that point, any pretense I had of saying, oh, I thought this goofy class up Survivor, cool, whatever, let's move on, went out the window. Right. I didn't plan on lying about it to begin with, but so put that out there and essentially said it to me as in, I'm going to use this against you. So at that moment, I decided, well, clearly so, who coincidentally I knew who she was uh, from the Blood versus Water talk. So I decided that so was a very dangerous player had nothing to do with the fact that she was lying about the neutral box. It had a little to do with the fact that she had Joaquin so tightly wound around her finger. But uh, I knew that So had to go home, and that So was very dangerous, very savvy, very athletic, and, and very much threat to me. When So, quote-unquote, blew up my game and said, Max, have you been lying to me since day one? What you didn't see in that tribal is I looked her square in the face, and I said, yes, So. I've been lying to you to your face since day one. And that was meant to do one thing, to prove to Carolyn that I was truly loyal to her. Yeah. So by owning up to dishonesty, I thought I was proving to Carolyn my loyalty. And in fact, my loyalty to Carolyn ran so deep that in all honesty, Rob, I told her before that tribal, of course, not knowing she had an idol. If we if it comes down to it, I will go to Rocks to save you. I, I was prepared to go to Rocks to save Carolyn that night. And quite frankly, I probably would have done it on Nagarote as well. Because as delusional as I was, I thought Carolyn was a really important ally and someone who I wanted to play the game with until the end.
0: Now, do you feel like uh, you and Shireen were depicted accurately in how you guys appeared to be too focused on each other and not on the other people in the tribe? Do you think that, looking back, was that how it really was? Or do you think that maybe we only saw snippets of the times you guys were talking to each other?
2: Um. Shereen and I clearly made a misstep, especially at White Collar, in bonding too much too quickly. Um, that said, I had an extremely close relationship with Tyler that involved many times in which he and I would go off to strategize and talk by ourselves for you know, a good hour or two. Um, it really wasn't that much of an issue at Nagarote until the third day. In fact, the first two days after the mix, Shereen and I employed a strategy of, I'm going to hang back. Shereen is going to be the emissary. Shereen was going to get into the driver's seat, so to speak, and I was going to get in the back seat and let mom drive. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a good strategy because as the loan tall, white male over the age of 35 on that tribe, it would be very easy for the women and especially the no collar women to see as quote unquote, a man, the person who comes in and starts bossing everyone around and having plans and posing to go on everyone. I didn't want that to happen. And so I hung back and kept to myself. I chatted with Will now and then I chatted with uh, Kelly quite a bit, but I really tried to be low key. I tried to be deferential Um, I tried to be respectful, um, and I tried not to geek out with Shereen too much. By day three, however, we needed to connect. We needed to strategize. We needed to plan out our moves. And we, I think the two days of deprivation leading up to that resulted in a gluttonous orgy of survivor geeking out and strategizing, some of which you saw, and clearly which did not help our case in the game.
0: Now, Max, do you feel like the naked stuff, do you think that ultimately was something that drove a wedge in between uh, you and Shireen's relationship with Carolyn ultimately?
2: I'm unsure about that because I never received anything other than chuckles and OUs from the rest of the tribe in the moments when I was naked. And just to contextualize, I got naked for the first time in the period before we got our bathing suits when I was, I think, trying my first aqua dump, and I was very concerned about not having a Tarzan moment with <laughs> my underwear. Let's right. just put it that way. Hygiene was my motivation. <laughs> when I came out of the water, I was asked by some of our friends, those people we don't talk about, if I could do that again while the helicopter filmed me. <laughs> wow. Now, don't have to be someone who's taught a class on Survivor to understand. Yes. That Calling it the helicopter, that could only mean one thing. That's a good thing. That means you've done something that they want to capture on film, that they want to memorialize. Winner it, yes. And I have, in many of my conversations with past players, been coached on the nuances of playing the production game, of giving them what they want, of saying the thing that you think might ultimately end up hurting you, but taking that risk. Because by doing so, you prove that you are all in on this game. My two in this game were people like Richard Hatch or Cochran or Penner, and they talked about the importance of that to their existence within the game. And so I felt like that was important. And by making that choice, in retrospect, I may have placed the production game above the social game, because if Carolyn was offended that could be a significant part of the reason why I'm uh, talking to you today.
0: Well, I think that's important. Do you feel like, is that a mistake? Would you tell future players not to follow that advice? Always put your own game ahead of anything else in terms of trying to, you know, curry favor with anybody that might be out there uh, in terms of production.
2: It's not a matter of currying favor, but it's a matter of delivering. You know, I, I, you're, 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 you're on to something. I probably would say, keep it in check. Every time you step out on that map before a challenge and Jeff asks you what's going on at camp, he wants a good answer and he's not going to stop until he gets a good answer. Same at tribal council. Do you give him a good answer? A good answer that reveals how articulate you are or how perceptive you are or how snarky you are? Or do you hold your tongue and keep everything close to your test? Rob, like many reality TV contestants, I was selected for participation in this show because I display certain personality traits or personality disorders that make me the sort of person who went called on by a hero like Jeff Brooks to talk about what's going on in the game. I don't just give them that little pat-two-word answer. I go into a soliloquy, and that didn't help my game at all because one thing that I heard um, after my time in the game was done was that my math antics things like on day one when I offered to go help straighten out things on the no collar tribe. Yes. That made me the number one target for both blue collar and no collar of who they wanted to vote out the first opportunity they had.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. You know, being good TV does not go always hand in hand with, you know, playing the game. Well, especially, you you know, talk about people like a Kim's uh, Kim Spradlin and people like that who were not necessarily great TV, but great players. Those two things are often, uh, polar opposites. Um, let me just ask. And, you. and to
2: be clear, can I just say one thing? To be clear, I didn't go out there with the intention of I'm going to get naked and pay homage or I'm going to be a Philip shepherd like specialist character. I went out there with the intention of relishing every minute and being all in on every minute of my time on the game. And Carpe diem. Carpe diem, exactly. And if that made it seem like I was playing to the cameras or if I was, you know, a, a screen time whore as, as many folks in the r half community have accused me of being... <laughs> It's not. Not I just had unbridled enthusiasm and a desire. Like Ian Terry wanting to go into the Have Not camp and eat flop. I wanted to experience it all. I was playing Survivor. And, you know, sometimes that enthusiasm can win over fans and win over fellow players. In my case, I think it backfired for me. And I'm, I'm reflexive enough to know that uh, you know that it didn't ultimately work out in my favor. That said, it's so much fun out there, such a good time. And do I have regrets? Regrets that I didn't get to have just put a necklace around my neck, or that I didn't get to win a million dollars. But I got to play Survivor. That's pretty fucking
0: cool. Okay, Max, I, I probably have like a million more questions uh, for you, but I think I probably only have time for for one last one and probably a short answer. So the question that I want to know from you is: What is the one biggest thing? that you learned during your time playing Survivor that all of your years of research uh, could not have prepared you for, that you could not have known before you were out there?
2: How difficult it is to contend with the boredom, with the social isolation from the people you love at home, how difficult it is to contend with spending twenty four hours a day trapped on a beach without reality TV contestants. <laughs> yeah. It's the social aspects of Survivor that are so hard that are impossible to train for. It's not the hunger, not the dehydration, not the lack of sleep. It's the social game. That's the hardest part. And it's not hard because, you know, you can't figure out how to how to play people or to conceal portions of your personality. It's hard because being around reality TV contestants is hard work. Yes, and I say that as a reality TV contestant, I'm hard to be around. I fully own up to
0: it. All right, well, Max, uh, I'm sure we're going to have a time at some point to talk much more about all this stuff. But well, can I ask you one question, Rob? If you've got time, you can ask it.
2: Which of the categories of exit interviews did this fall into? Was it a one?
0: <laughs> I feel like at times it was a, a little bit of a one, but not uh, not a hard one. One ish.
2: Okay, cool. Not a hard one. I can listen to that. Yes. And one last thing. You know I always do this. I didn't get to hear Jeff say my favorite phrase when I was out there, but I have on many occasions asked you to say it. Could, can you give me an all the fixings, <laughs> but, but but in the Boston Rock place?
0: <laughs> uh, hey, Max. Uh, you better you better not when you go to the finale, hit on my boy Rodney's mom because she's 64, but people are going to hit on her because she's... Uh, She's smoking hot like Amber with all the fixins.
2: Thank you, Rob. I'm Tom Brady. I hate that I made you do that, but that, yeah. that, that 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 warms my heart.
0: No problem. All right, Max, you take care. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All
2: right, Rob. Thanks.
0: All right. All right, everybody, there you have it. Max Dawson here on the podcast, and I believe that we'll probably get a longer interview with Max uh, somewhere along the way. I don't know when. I don't know uh, at what point, but I have a feeling... Uh, we'll hear Max again on the podcast. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit and go ahead and talk about this week in Survivor History. And of course, we are going to bring in our intrepid researcher once again. Here is Jordan.
3: I'm there, Rob. How's it going?
0: It's going very well, Jordan. How are you doing?
3: I'm a little bit sad that we lost uh, Max Dawson, but I'm excited to talk about Survivor history. And a- as we learned tonight, um, it's not it doesn't necessarily get you all that far in life to talk about these uh, old, older Survivor seasons, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. It did
0: not serve Max or Shereen particularly well to know their Survivor history.
3: No, it didn't, but it was a lot of fun to watch them make references during Tribal Council.
0: They made some references, and we got a little glimpse of what it would be like to see... Jordan Kalish on Survivor,
3: yes, oh wow, you got the name right,
0: but what if Jordan kalish was on Survivor?
3: If Jordan Kalish was on Survivor, I don't think he'd be throwing out uh constant survivor factoids in front of everybody uh, and alienating the rest of the tribe,
0: okay, all right, well, Jordan, of course, uh this week in Survivor History is brought to us by our friends at Nature Box because Nature Box is exactly what you need to get you through. Those hard times, those hectic times when a snack isn't available, like let's say there's no snake that you could eat right uh, in a good spot. We could just uh, go ahead and you know cook a snake. Uh, much more practical is have a nature
3: box. I'd, I'd much rather have the nature box than the snake.
0: As would I, because... There are delicious and healthy snack options available from Nature Box. I have no idea honestly, if a snake is either delicious or healthy.
3: No, I don't either. It's and and even with the uh, the chicken, I think when Jen went into the woods, uh, I think she actually has a stash of nature box that she'd rather eat than the chicken.
0: That's right, because with over a hundred nutritionist approved snacks, nature box is something for everybody, all with no artificial flavors, no artificial colors, the no artificial sweeteners none of the trans fat and no high fructose corn syrup. You'll find great snacks with bold flavors that you crave without any of the artificial nonsense. So avoid the afternoon slump and avoid getting hungry and irritable and grab some pistachio power clusters, some big Island pineapple. How about some peanut butter nom noms, Jordan?
3: Uh, the sound delicious. You're making me hungry.
0: <laughs> and now you got the chance to get some nature box for free. Get a trial box with five of the most popular snacks. You heard me free snacks. Start your free trial right now by going to naturebox.com R-H-A-P. It'll be a photo finish to see who can get their nature box the fastest. You know you're going to snack. Get smart about it with NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash and get a free trial box of delicious snacks. All right. So, Jordan, tell us where are we going on the flux capacitor? Uh, I've got it all set. Tell us uh, what week in survivor history are we going to?
3: So Max actually brought up the one world tribe swap. I'm even going farther back in Survivor history. We're going to Survivor Marquesas, the uh, the Marquesa. Yeah, um, the Marquesa. March- yeah, the Marquesa. You have to call it that when you have. Right after uh, Kathy Baverick O'Brien was on the podcast. Um, this is March 20th, 2002. Uh, this, so this is uh, 13 years ago in Survivor history, and yes. the episode is called "The Winds Twist." And I wanted to talk about a tribe swap this week. With the uh, the worlds apart tribe swap, and this is actually an interesting point in Survivor history where now we watch Survivor and we expect the tribe swap and we we think it's going to happen every season. Uh, but this is only the second season ever where they did a tribe swap. This was a new idea, and the show was still playing with uh, what works and what doesn't work. And I thought it was very interesting that the the way they did this tribe swap. It was uh, similar to uh, to Survivor Worlds Apart, where you had each contestant randomly take a buff, but in this uh, in this season, we actually had an uneven tribe swap where they actually uh, there were thirteen players left, and uh, one tribe the uh, the Rotu tribe ended up with eight players yeah. because there were eight players on Rotu before the uh, the swap and five players on Mara Amu. So it's it was kind of interesting how they uh, how they played with this idea back in the day. And it ended up working out pretty interestingly for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't like it when they do the uneven uh, swap numbers like it should be. I feel like it's Maramu versus Road Two Original is over. Let's, you know, go and create, you know, two new tribes. You know, you have 13 people. One should be seven. One should be six. Don't go with eight and five because now you have Pascal and Nalia and Kathy who were part of Road Two, And now all of a sudden they're like way down in the numbers.
3: Mm-hmm. no i i completely agree and and again this is you know it was're figuring back. it out they're figuring think, it out. yeah they're they're figuring it out and i think they've gotten to a point where they where they've kind of nailed the uh the tribe swap but you know what? it it did make for uh you know it really set the narrative for the rest of the season because you had the whole road two four alliance that formed uh from this tribe swap because basically you know most of the road twos ended up staying on road two. Um and uh, in this episode, uh, unfortunately, we lost uh, Sarah Jones, who uh, came into the game like uh, Cleopatra, but she went out like a lamb. Um, in this in this episode, but so I, I I like that they um they were able to build off of the tribe swap from Survivor Africa, which did it for the first time. Uh, but it took a little a little while to get it to to where it is today. But what I really wanted to talk about in this episode was a uh, a confessional from us and Rob where he talks about some of his new tribe mates because he's actually on this uh this new Rotu tribe and he has a lot of colorful things to say about some of his former tribe mates and if you want to uh if you want to tell us some of them if you remember any uh specific things he said about one of his new Rotu tribe members and I know you have the uh the impression would you like to go ahead and uh and start us off
0: well it's very funny but it really is not in my opinion, Rob's finest hour, because I don't think that it necessarily holds up well over time. I mean, he says some things uh, that are insensitive to a couple different people, uh, specifically like what he says about John Carroll. Uh, oh, that's,
3: def- that's definitely true.
0: What he says about Zoe. I think he says he says, you got Zoe. She's the toughest guy out here. Um, you, uh, I believe he talks about the general and says, uh, he, the general, he, he's got a little sausage. Um, and you know, I it, thought it
3: wasn't, wasn't he talking about like the type of sausages that, uh, that they had in the reward challenge no, on tonight's no, episode? No, I don't
0: know. I'm not sure. But again, anyway, it, you know, it shows you how funny Rob is, but I feel like some of that, uh, the humor while that stuff killed in 2002, um, mm. did not necessarily play great in 2015.
3: No, and I don't think he would have said that today. But it was—it's a memorable confessional. Definitely some controversial points in that confessional, yeah. though, especially calling John Carroll a, a, a big time queer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you know, just uh, Rudy is saying that in 2000, and Boston Rob was saying that in 2002. Uh, uh, it didn't maybe,
3: really work well when Rudy said that recently during uh during that finale a couple of years ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, you know, um, just to be fair to Rob, I also said things on my season of Survivor that you know I, I look back and I wince when I say it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to get on a soapbox or anything, but yeah, that stuff was, I you know, definitely funnier at the time.
3: Uh, and the the only one he seemed to like was really uh, Tammy, but she w- unfortunately was engaged. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Not 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 such great things to say about the uh, the new Road to members. But it's definitely a memorable early Boston Rob moment.
0: Absolutely. All right, Jordan. Uh, what else from this week in Survivor history?
3: Just really quick, we're going to go to uh, Survivor Palau, and this is an episode from. Let me get the date here. I'm sorry. It's um oh March 16th, 2005. And this is the episode where Willard Smith was voted out of the game. Wow. And he has the distinction of being the only member of Karor not to make the jury. He didn't even lose an immunity challenge. Uh, they had a double boot episode. And Willard Smith, who is worshipped by the previously on Survivor Facebook group, was unceremoniously... Yeah, Willard Wednesday. He was unceremoniously uh, uh, voted out of the game by the Karor members. And he looks like the immunity idol.
0: Yes. Wow what what a, what a historic Willard. week uh Jordan that we're talking about in survivor history Sarah Jones and Willard
3: yes both. you know you know we're grasping one week at, yeah we're grasping at straws when uh when it's <laughs> those two going home this isn't necessarily the biggest week in survivor history but there were there's there's always fun stuff though it's a great show
0: always fun stuff all right uh Jordan great job once again and uh we'll talk to you next week yeah talk to you next week all right take care everybody bye All right, everybody, there you have it. This week in Survivor History with your host, Jordan, and once again, uh, bringing us the knowledge from all the way back in Survivor History. All right, so we did a lot here today. We talked to two Survivors. We talked to Jordan. We did this week in Survivor History. Uh, We found out about Vinny's podcast and much, much more. So the only thing left to do is for me to go back, regroup, Get your questions from Facebook. Listen to your voicemails about what you guys want to talk about in the big podcast later on today. And so I'm going to be back with Dale and Kelly Wentworth and then talking the Survivor voicemails. Plus, on Friday, I'm going to get together with Mike Bloom and we are going to recap the upcoming season or preview the upcoming season of Big Brother Canada 3. A lot of people have been asking me, Rob, are you going to cover Big Brother Canada 3? To which I've been replying, uh, duh. I'm a I'm a podcaster. This is what I do, and I will be covering Big Brother Canada three. I don't know exactly the schedule, but probably I, I mean we've covered Big Brother Canada one and two. We were doing like twice a week uh, on that, so I would imagine we'll probably have two recaps a week or something like that. Probably one after the elimination, and one sort of midweek. And of course, uh, I'm going to get together with Mike Bloom. And preview the 15 or fifteen or 16 new players that are going to be in Big Brother Canada 3. And of course, uh, what twists may lie in Big Brother Canada 3. And of course, we are on the lookout for people to help us cover the live feeds for Big Brother Canada on the podcast. So uh, I am accepting submissions. If you want to go ahead and tweet to me your application video to be a Big Brother Canada recapper on Rob Has a Podcast, go ahead and tweet us your video. Try to keep it about a minute or two uh, and do uh, B-B, can. That's B-B, can in the hashtag so we can go ahead and follow those as they come in. And then I'll get together with Mike Bloom on Friday. So lots to do here on Rob as a podcast as per usual. So looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. And now that the show's over, don't forget to go to NatureBox.com. Sign up to get your free sampler box of great-tasting, wholesome snacks. Forget the vending machine. Start snacking smarter with delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Go to NatureBox.com RHAP. That's NatureBox.com RHAP.